Hello, everyone. This is Alec Crowdham. Welcome back to another episode of the What's Chopping Podcast, part of the Big Banter Sports Network. Be sure to follow us on all social media at What's Chopping Pod and at Big Banter Sports for all the best Big Ten content out there. We also recently launched our website, BigBanterSports.com. Be sure to check that out as well. Today, we got a special episode. We have the Wild Chat Podcast with us. How about you guys introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Dylan. Uh Northwestern student going to my sophomore year, uh, studying journalism and political science and big cats fan. All right. I'm Ashley. I'll go next. Um, I'm also sophomore at Northwestern, rising sophomore at Northwestern. I'm studying journalism as well uh, with a big interest in sports communications. Um, Football is one of my favorite sports. So super excited for the season, hoping for more than one win. And last but not least, uh, I'll go for it too. My name's Adam, um, also a rising sophomore at Northwestern, also a journalism student. Um, we're all kind of boring. We're all kind of the same. Um, I'm originally from South Florida, live in New York City, kind of all over the place, but love talking Big Ten football, especially with the season coming up, Rutgers Northwestern, first game of the year. Uh, Alec, why don't you kind of talk us through kind of where Rutgers is right now, what's going on this offseason, kind of what we should expect from from, from this team. Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely a pivotal season for Rutgers. It feels like this is the time when things kind of have to turn around and, you know, you got to start getting wins up on the board. Uh, and the schedule definitely is a little bit difficult, but there's definitely a path to getting some wins up on the board. And it feels like a lot of it comes down to the quarterback play of Gavin Wimsett. He was named the starter before training Cape even started, which is a rarity for Greg Schiano, but... Uh, yeah, he is going to be the key to how this offense works because there's a strong running game. The running back room is very deep. Uh, they're strong coaches. They just brought in Kirk Shiraka to be the offensive coordinator, got him from Minnesota. And you now the offensive line, while it is a work in progress, they got a new coach as well. And Pat Flaherty knows flats. You know, he's kind of a legend among offensive line coaches, you know, won multiple Super Bowls with the Giants, has been in the business for over 40 years now. So it really feels like things are set up for Gavin Wimsett to succeed. Now it's just a matter of, can he do it? Uh, and on the defense, it's definitely a much more finished product. The defensive line, I think is a top half, at least unit in the big 10, which is really saying something considering how good the big 10 defensive lines are. Uh, and as well as the, you know, as the secondary as well, they lost some pieces definitely to the NFL, but there's definitely some guys there that's ready to fill in. Um, so I definitely think there's a path to a bowl game for Rutgers, but even if they don't make a bowl game, you just have to show improvement uh, and be more competitive in games. So that's kind of where things are sitting uh, in terms of, you know, where's the, what's the vibe around the Rutgers program right now? I feel like that's a common theme between both of our teams right now is that kind of there's only one way to kind of go from here, and that's almost up. And I feel like both of our programs kind of sit that way. I want to focus a little bit on kind of the Rutgers offense. I'd love to ask you, why do you think the Rutgers offense struggled so much last year? And then this year, how do you think that'll compare bringing in the new offensive coordinator? What do you kind of expect from it? How do you think the offense will kind of change? I think there's a couple reasons why the Rutgers offense struggled so badly last year and has struggled for many years now. Uh, one was obviously quarterback play. And a lot of that could also be boiled down to, you know, some things you can't control, which is injuries. You know, Noah Vedra was supposed to be the starter for his final year. Uh, but unfortunately, the first day of training camp, he ended up injuring his hand and he missed a good, I think it was the first three weeks of the season. Uh, so that kind of thrust in uh, Gavin Wimsett, Evan Simon, even Johnny Langan into a position that they 
maybe weren't exactly completely prepared for. Now, granted, they had training camp to prepare for it, but still, uh, Gavin Wimsett was supposed to be coming into his true freshman season, and he was already having to ramp up his training into becoming the starting quarterback, along with Evan Simon, who was originally supposed to be the third string. And all of a sudden, you know, Gavin Wimsett gets hurt in the Temple game. He's out for a couple of weeks. Evan Simon is all of a sudden the starter. And yeah, the offense is going to sputter. I think another reason why is the offensive coordinator. And I think Greg Shiano agreed by you know, firing Sean Gleason after the loss to Nebraska in early October. It just felt like they were out of sync and the personnel management really wasn't where it needed to be. I think the best example of this was, you know, over the, uh, I think it was the Iowa and the Nebraska game was when, you know, people really started to shine a light on the offense. Uh, Sam Brown, the breakout freshman last year, uh, he, you know, get rotated snaps. It felt like a lot of times, you know, they were trying to outsmart other teams, even though they have the talent to just, you know, play their talent. So there were definitely a lot of things out there. They got a transfer wide receiver at the beginning of last year, Taj Harris from Syracuse. He only played one game before he'd left the team. So it was definitely a lot of factors um, that, you know, contributed to why Rutgers was a pretty much a, just a bad offensive team last year. And I definitely think that they're in for an improvement because they bring back Sam Brown. He suffered a season ending injury, unfortunately, in his first game where he really broke out under the interim offensive coordinator. So he's back along with Kyle Manungai, who played pretty well in the place of Sam Brown after he got injured. Uh, Kirk Shiraka, he definitely brings a simpler scheme, I would say. Uh, especially looking at his time in Minnesota, a lot of RPOs, that kind of thing. So I think it's going to be less work on Gavin Wimsett's shoulders to make plays happen, although he will have to make plays. Uh, it feels like there's a lot more around him that will succeed. They also brought in two transfer wide receivers and a transfer tight end. Granted, they are from lower levels. Uh, Jaquay Jackson comes in after being a D2 All-American, and Nazim Brantley comes in from Western Illinois, and Sean Bauman comes in from Maine, all FCS, uh, the latter two being FCS teams. But you know, they have proven production at those lower levels. So it remains to be seen how, you know, they will adjust to that. So I think it's a lot of the circumstances that, you know, really made things more difficult for the Rutgers offense is gone. So I think there, I, like you said, there's kind of nowhere to go, but up from here. Yeah. I think that's something, I mean, I agree with Dylan and that our teams have something in common, which is that we are kind of on the up and up. And I think, we both have a lot of potential. There's been some personnel changes on both sides that, I mean, their expectations are kind of hard to have because they're new. So hopefully these teams, I think these teams both have a lot of potential, both on the rise. Um, but something that we had in common that's not super cool is that we both only had one win in the Big Ten. I know you said Rutgers was on the path to a bowl game. You think they're on the rise. You think this season is going to be, I believe, six wins from the Big Ten Huddle podcast. Um, so I wanted to ask you, where do you see these wins coming from? Like, what games do you see Rutgers winning? And what do you think is going to be the key reason that they're winning those games? Yeah, so if we look at the schedule, obviously the first place I'm going to disagree with you guys is the opening game against Northwestern. I do think Rutgers pulls that one out. And then you have the rest of the non-conference schedule, that being Temple. Now, granted, they almost lost to Temple last year. But uh, again, there was, like I said, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances with that offense that was a driving force behind it struggling pretty badly. And, you know, two years ago, Rutgers beat uh, Temple at home 61 to 14. So I think they pull that one out. I think Virginia Tech is going to be a very close game, but I do think Rutgers takes that game as well. And that puts them at 3-0 going into the big house, which, I mean, they're not going to win at the big house at Michigan, especially Jim Harbaugh's return. They're out for revenge, all that fun stuff. Even if Rutgers has made it close against Michigan the last three years, 
that puts him at three and one again, Wagner at the end of September, if you don't win by 45, it's a disappointment. So that makes it four and one Uh, you travel up to Madison, Wisconsin. And I think they lose that game. I'm really high on Wisconsin this year, probably more than most. I think they run away with the big 10 West. So that's going to be a loss up at camp Randall. And then they come back home. I believe the next weekend is homecoming. Yeah. Against Michigan state. Uh, Rutgers almost beat Michigan state last year at in East Lansing. Uh, The defense was actually, you know, the defense actually let the team down, which didn't happen all that often last year. Uh, and Michigan State, while they maybe improved off of what it was a disappointing season, they also lost some pieces. They lost Peyton Thorne and Keon Johnson to the transfer portal. And, you know, the the Michigan State defense already struggled to handle Rutgers offense. Kyle Manungai ran for 160 yards in that game. So I think they come back at a homecoming juiced up environment and they win that game. And then the next weekend, they travel to Bloomington, Indiana to face a team that, is kind of like in the same boat as Rutgers and in in Northwestern, excuse me, uh, kind of like a, you know, this is where you need to start showing results. Uh, otherwise, you know, Tom Allen may not be out in Bloomington much longer. And I think Rutgers gets a win there. So I believe that's, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's six right there. And then, yeah, the, the back end of the schedule is an absolute gauntlet. I think they lose out uh, even after starting six and two, I think they lose out to go to six and six. Um, but yeah, that's, in my opinion, that's my path to six wins. Now, is it, Guaranteed to happen? Absolutely not. Will it happen? Possibly not. But yeah, that's why they that's why they play the games on the field. Absolutely. But maybe now we kind of like turn our attention a little bit to this matchup with Northwestern. Could you give me, you know, and and kind of just enlightening Cats fans, um, maybe one offensive player, one defensive player, maybe someone else that you really think is really important to to Rutgers uh, against Northwestern. Well, going with the quarterback, Gavin Wimsett kind of seems like a cop-out at this point because it's always the quarterback. So I'll go elsewhere and I'll say Sam Brown. And I mentioned Sam Brown previously. He was a freshman four-star and played as a true freshman a lot. You know, like I said, his rotation in the backfield was kind of a reason why people got tired of Sean Gleason because he would get some great carries and they'd take him out one play later. And then when he finally got his opportunity, he had a great game against Indiana. I think it was 28 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. And then he got injured for the rest of the season. So his return is going to be highly, uh, ex- highly anticipated among Rutgers fans. And with an improved, we'll see if the offensive line is improved. They lost two starters, uh, but the work that Pat Flaherty has done with the, with the unit has apparently been encouraging. So his progress is going to be big for Rutgers chances, especially, you know, there's a chance it might rain that day too. So whenever it's a rain game, you know, running the football is always going to be a big uh, exclamation point on how to win that game. And on the defensive end, I think it's going to be the best performer on the defensive side uh, entirely. And that's Aaron Lewis. He, by multiple publications, is, I believe, an all Big Ten third team preseason nominee. Uh, he has the ability to be a game wrecker. It didn't really show up in the sack department, but I do think he's setting himself up for a big, big year. He was he was a pressures machine. Uh, so I think he's definitely someone to look out for. And yeah, that's who I think is definitely going to be catalyst to a Rutgers win. If, you know, if the Rutgers does pull out the win uh, this coming Sunday. You mentioned rain. That would definitely be an interesting one. There were two games, I believe, last year that Northwestern played rain games in. And both games, I mean, Northwestern's defense somehow actually played decently. I remember the Ohio State game being one of them. We held Ohio State and CJ Stroud to 21 points. Um, that was also due to like 50 mile per hour wins, but rain would definitely make this interesting. And I feel like it would be for two teams that are going to struggle on offense, most likely make it even worse. We're decent chance. We'd be looking at like a two touchdown game for both teams. If 
even that if it ended up raining. So I'm going to hope for the fans' perspective, if you like offense, that it doesn't rain on next Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I'll thankfully, I'll be protected under a broadcast booth, so I, it doesn't matter for me either way. So, But yeah, for all the other fans there, let's hope that, uh, let's hope that the rain holds off. We're all going to be attending that, and we will not be underprotective of anything. So hopefully it doesn't rain for us as well. Do we want to uh, switch it over Hopefully. to Northwestern? We, uh... Northwestern or... Yes. So, so now, uh, now that you know, all the Wildcat fans have gotten the perspective of what things are looking like on the Rutgers side. For all of our viewers on the Rutgers side, we're gonna see what things are looking like with Northwestern. Now, uh, to say that Northwestern has had a tumultuous offseason would be a understatement, I'm sure. Uh, so, I guess my first question is pretty simple: How? Ha- what's the general vibe around the program after what's been? a probably one of the biggest off seasons in recent program history look i mean student wise a bunch of students were really unhappy with what happened in the program i think student morale and fan morale definitely went down a little bit because obviously it's hard to support a team when you know that those things were going on in the locker room um but on behalf of myself and probably for adam and dylan as well we're huge cats fans so we're going to support this team no matter what and seeing David Braun step up and seeing the players rally around him and keep their morale up, even though all of the stuff was happening in the off season. Um, I mean, that makes uh, like, that's super important for us. Um, and David Braun has the utmost confidence in this team and from his presser, from his first pressure to his pressure today, um, he's been talking about how much faith he has in the team and how the players are really banding together in the locker room. He hasn't chosen to speak a lot about what's happened in the offseason, and he's really emphasized focusing on practices, focusing on our next game. At his presser, at his most recent presser, he talked about how our focus is on Rutgers and what happens this summer is in the rear view. Um, so I think it's not I think it's probably not the best to necessarily neglect what happened this summer since it is something really important for student wellness. But I think it is important that David Braun is choosing to put his players first, but also focus on football, which is why he's there. He's the head coach. He's the defensive coordinator. He's doing his job. He's doing what he has to do. He's working with what he's been given. Um, So I think it's hard to have expectations for a team that's had such a tumultuous offseason, but generally my expectations are not super high, but definitely a little bit optimistic because you never really know what's going to happen. So I'd say generally um, students were upset when everything first happened, but I think the optimism is starting to rise a little bit as this Rutgers game gets closer. And you mentioned David Braun, who six months ago, you know, he was a defensive coordinator in the FCS and now he's a power five head coach. What would you say the confidence level in his ability to both be a defensive coordinator and a head coach is right now? Um, I think, you know, when he got thrust into the role, it kind of came out of nowhere, obviously with, 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 with Pat Fitzgerald's firing and, you know, hopes were really high for him as a defensive coordinator um, coming in and people were really excited, especially in Northwestern student media and, and people affiliated with the team. They were really excited with David Braun with everything that they'd seen with him, especially at North Dakota um, and, and everything that he'd accomplished there. So they, there was a lot of excitement, obviously Pat Fitzgerald gets fired. David Braun gets thrust into the in- interim head coach role and, that's probably the worst spot to be in as a new guy in, in, in the FBS um, and, and kind of trying to learn the ropes as he's now the head coach. But I'd say right now, everyone is kind of very happy with 
how everything's gone um, with, with what he's done in the locker room, as Ashley pointed out two moments ago, but also how he's, you know, conducted himself in press conferences and interviews and all those things um, at the Big Ten Media Day in Indianapolis. What he said there kind of reinvigorated that sense of confidence in this Northwestern team. And he's kind of led by example ever since. He said, this is in the rearview mirror. We're going to focus on football. Um, and I think he's got a really good opportunity to kind of reestablish what Northwestern football is all about. Um, you know, kind of showed that this team can rally around each other and kind of show, hey, this is in the past. What happened here is awful and we're going to be better because of it. And we're going to use this as a learning moment um, and teach people about hazing and show and show show everyone why this can't happen ever again. Um, and then use this team as a success story. So kind of out of nowhere, he's been thrust into this role where he can really turn something that was super negative in the past that he had nothing to do with into a big positive. Um, and so far through the first couple of months of this, um, and I, I guess it's been a couple of months at this point, um, may, maybe a month and a half, two months, um, you know, he's done a really good job. And I think uh, the school and the fans are, are really excited to see what he's able to do, not necessarily just on a coaching perspective, but also just on a human connection perspective, which at this point, that's what this Northwestern team is about. It's about coming out of the ashes and kind of rising up. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it progresses as the season goes on. It'll be interesting to see if the product on the football field um, will be able to kind of elevate this Northwestern team and kind of, you know, take away these negative things and kind of turn them to a positive, if that's even possible at this point. I think in terms of trust level as well, the fact that he did come from an FCS school, yes, that's definitely a jump. But I also think if there's a FCS school that you're going to poach a coach from, it's North Dakota State. I mean, they've been just the powerhouse of the FCS for years and years and years. So he has that, you know, winning mentality. He's won championships there. Um, he knows how to win. And so you kind of hope and you have to have some trust in him that he's going to be able to bring that over from the FCS level because I think North Dakota State, they're just so good in the FCS that they could probably beat some FBS teams as well. So I think that there is a decently high level of trust with David Braun. Yeah, and I got to say, I've been pretty, from an outside perspective, I've been very impressed with everything you said publicly and all that. Uh, and, you know, there's, I don't want to say a pipeline, but there's been success with North Dakota State head coaches. Now, granted, Braun isn't their head coach, but moving up, you know, got Chris Kleiman out in Kansas State. Craig Bull's done a pretty good job in Wyoming. So it'll be interesting to see how he carries that on. So uh, if we're looking more towards on the field, uh, obviously Northwestern went 1-11 last season. Um, that's I feel like that's kind of been overshadowed by what's happened this summer. But if we're talking strictly on the field, what's the confidence level in the guys that are currently there and the personnel that they have right now? I'd say it's still not the greatest thing in the world. I mean, if you asked me three months ago before all this happened, where I was, what I was thinking about the season, I would say I'm not that optimistic. I mean, before all this happened, I was still in that, you know, three, nine, four, eight type of mindset, because at the end of the day, we lost some good talent from a one and 11 team. You could almost argue that the team got worse from last year to this year, just in terms of talent, which is crazy to think about because of, you know, all the draft picks that we had, which for a one and 11 team is a little shocking. However, we did bring in a couple of transfers last year, our wide receivers, they weren't good. Um, that's an understatement that could also partially be because of the poor quarterback play that Northwestern also had, you know, we had, I believe three different quarterbacks between Holinsky, uh, Brendan Sullivan. And then we had one other guy, I think, some walk-on play quarterback. I don't remember. Um, I tried to erase all memory yeah, Cole, from last Cole, year. Cole, Cole from, Freeman, I think, got us start against Purdue. Yep, yeah, that's it. Um, 
So last year, we didn't really have a quarterback. And we also still don't have a quarterback right now. Uh, David Braun still has not announced a starting quarterback. Um, I've seen people think that it's going to be Ben Bryant, the transfer from Cincinnati, who, who it would be really nice to see him get a start. Brennan Sullivan, while he was decent at times last year, um, he's a lot more of that kind of running quarterback. I don't really know if I trust his ability to throw the football properly. Um, so I personally would like to see Ben Bryant get that starting role. Um, but besides that, it's going to be iffy. It's definitely not the highest level of confidence in the personnel itself. Um, I'm definitely worried. I think they can pull out some wins here and there possibly, but definitely not the highest level of confidence at all. And you mentioned David Braun's presser today. What were some things that, you know, if you guys had watched or gotten notes from it, what were some things that stuck out to you guys about it, what he said today? I mean, I think to echo Dylan, the most obvious thing that really stuck out was that he didn't name a starting quarterback for the game against Rutgers this weekend. Um, I mean, most people, I think me, Adam, and Dylan all agree that it's probably going to be Ben Bryant uh, based on his stats, based on just – I mean, we need a starting quarterback, essentially. And David Braun did talk about that in his presser. He said that he wouldn't name a starting quarterback, but he thinks – he said later on that he thinks – Um, our team needs a starting quarterback. We need that leadership. We need that stability. And I agree with him. I think one of our downfalls last year is that we didn't have that stability. We had different quarterbacks, different, different playing styles. I mean, Dylan talked about how Brennan Sullivan just kind of would run with the ball, but also he would, wasn't very good at scanning the field. Just kind of, if he didn't see anyone open immediately, he'd just sort of take it and run with it. And that just wasn't what we needed. We kind of need someone to pass the football. I mean, Ben Bryant had more passing yards than all of our quarterbacks that started combined last year. And his stats have looked pretty good. He's not really a rushing quarterback, but I really don't think that's what we need. I think we need less of a wildcat formation. And Ben Bryant is where it's going to be. No, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I think that far and away was the most important thing for me from the presser is that there was no starting quarterback officially named. Um, But it still seems pretty obvious to me anyway. I think two other important details about the presser too today. Um, One, he talked about the depth of the running back room and really was impressed with how the running back room has kind of handled themselves, um, especially after losing Evan Hall, um, who, you know, was the really the bell cow for Northwestern last year led the team in basically any offensive category that you'll look into, obviously got drafted by the Colts. And, um, you know, he's, he's been doing well with them uh, through training camp, had actually had a pancake the other day. It was all over Northwestern Twitter. Everyone was going crazy. Um, but, you know, you look at this Northwestern running back room and you got Cam Porter, you got Anthony Tyus as those two main guys. Um, and, and David Brown's been really, really happy with how those guys have, you know, conduct themselves, the, the depth of the running back room, as I mentioned, but also that's going to be a big focal point of the offense. If you look at kind of the wide receivers, right, you got two new wide receivers, two transfers, A.J. Henning, which Dylan mentioned, Cam Johnson, who I'm personally a little bit more excited about. Um, I think something that Northwestern really lacked last year was that second wide receiver. They had Malik Washington transfer at at, uh, Virginia, um, but they didn't really have that second guy. There wasn't that second dependable receiver, so I'm kind of hoping Cam Johnson is that guy. And then obviously the quarterback situation, right? Probably Ben Bryant starting, so new quarterbacks, new quarterbacks, new, new wide receivers. But you got the you're retaining your your returning running back, so kind of that you know consistency throughout year to year, and I think the running back room um, is going to be a really big part of that offense. So it's good to see from from David Braun uh, that he's excited about that play. But also another thing, a little bit more minor, but captains are going to be coming out sometime this week. Um, to the team will announce those. 
but he was just really impressed with how many different players got votes, um, kind of showing the leadership of this team and leaders from different places, right? You, I mean, everyone's expecting Bryce Gallagher to be to, to, to be a captain, but, you know, if other guys are 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 in, the, in that mix too, um, it just really shows that everyone's kind of stepping up um, and it's good for locker room culture. So kind of two snip, snippets that I kind of caught out from uh, notes from Bronze Presser. So if we look more towards the week one game against Rutgers, um, I know you asked the same thing about Rutgers. What's one player on the offense and defense that Rutgers fans should look out for as a potential game breaker for this Northwestern team? Um, I think offensively, um, I mean, everybody in Northwestern kind of fandom is going to be telling me to go AJ Henning. So I'm going to go AJ Henning. Um, I mean, this guy is a speedster. He's a gadget player. He's a transfer from Michigan. Um, and at Michigan didn't really get that much playing time. And when he did get playing time, it was mostly as a, you know, a return specialist. I mean, this guy has got legit four, three speed. Um, he's going to be kind of a focal point of this offense now, um, especially without kind of that, you know, leading wide receiver. He's going to be put in the slot, um, you know, even jet sweep actions, kind of just using his speed to create separation uh, and, and kind of be that, that, that game breaker for Northwestern, something that Northwestern didn't really have last year. They did not have a lot of speed. Um, Evan Hull was probably the fastest player and Evan Hull is not that fast. Um, so, you know, I think AJ Henning is going to be really good for this offense. Um, he's going to be able to bring that speed and that athleticism um, and mostly that acceleration off the line of scrimmage, just to create separation, get the ball in his hands quick and just get upfield, try and, you know, get four, five, six, seven yards, turn into a first down. I think that's really going to be his focus. So the speed of AJ Henning is something to work on offense. And then defensively, I think it's got to be Bryce Gallagher who's probably the best player on this defense, the linebacker, um, kind of the heart and soul of this Northwestern team. Um, and, you know, last year was, was, was a beast in the middle. The one thing I don't love about Bryce Gallagher is his ability in pass coverage. But from what, uh, you know, I've, I've seen and I've heard, um, the linebackers have done a lot this offseason and through training camp, working on pass coverage and trying to, you know, get that to be a stronger part of their game because Northwestern got burned with that. Um, him and Xander Mueller last year really got burned in pass coverage. So watch out for Bryce Gallagher and pass, pass coverage. Most importantly, as, as a run stopper, um, I mean, that's where Gallagher excels. He gets downhill quickly, a thumper as a tackler. Um, so really just a guy in the middle of that defense, especially at that heart and soul of the Northwestern defense at the linebacker position, getting downhill, making stops. That's exactly what Bryce Gallagher does. And especially on a defense that, you know, lost their two best players in Adabare to the NFL, to the Colts, and then Cam Mitchell, um, you know, Gallagher is going to be that staple this year, really going to be that leader of that defense. So I would say defensively Gallagher and then offensively, you know, the speedster and A.J. Henning. I agree on the Bryce Gallagher point. Um, I think that in this game where we might see Rutgers, you know, try and run the ball a little bit, just, you know, with their slightly lackluster quarterback play, I think Bryce Gallagher is going to be huge and kind of stopping that run game Um, on offense though. I think I might just rely on Cam Porter just because I'm a big Cam Porter fan. Um, I think he has that playmaking ability. Um, He can be flashy when he needs to be. Um, And, you know, with us still not knowing the starting quarterback exactly and just how it's going to kind of fully play out. Not sure exactly how it's going to happen, how the chemistry is going to work out between Ben Bryan and AJ Henning. If Ben Bryan is decided to be the starter, um, I think Cam Porter in the run game is going to be huge. I think Cam Porter had that backup role behind Evan Hole last year, but he's ready to take on the starter role and he's just ready to be huge with it. So I'm going to say Cam Porter on offense. Yeah, I agree with Bryce Gallagher. I mean, it's hard not to. I I really don't even know if I have anything to add on that point. I just, I'm really excited to see what he does this season. I mean, he's just above and beyond at this point. So 
Um, I'm definitely in the Bryce Gallagher camp as well. But offensively, I mean, I know he hasn't been named the starting quarterback yet, which Dylan mentioned, but I'm still going to say Ben Bryant. Um, I'm really excited about what he could do potentially. I mean, last season, we saw almost no passing game. It didn't really feel like we were throwing passes. I mean, we were using wildcat formation, not just like once or twice a game, but once or twice a drive, maybe even more, just more. because we couldn't throw them more. Yeah, I was, ready, I was ready to go insane last year whenever I saw that. Ugh. Yeah, it was insanity inducing. I mean, it was just watching us run, use wildcat formation just because we couldn't pass the ball. It was, it was honestly sad as a fan and it was, it made you want to leave at halftime. So I'm excited to see some passing game. I'm excited to see what Ben Bryant can do, especially with AJ Henning, um, who I would also put up there with him as one of the people offensively I'm most excited about, but I'm just excited for the potential of having a quarterback that can actually pass the ball and read the field. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, this might bite me in the butt if he's actually not named the starter, but um, I, I think I'll, I'll bank on that one. Also one, one more player. Cause I wanted, I wanted someone else to throw another defensive player out there, but no one did. I really want to give a shout out to to, to Garnet Hollis Jr. too, uh, the cornerback. And if you look at Northwestern's cornerback room um, this year, it looks very different to last year. They lost obviously Cam Mitchell to the draft. They lost AJ Hampton and Jeremiah Lewis, who were you know three really big players for them um, on that side of the football. And now you know insert Garnet Hollis Jr. He was just recently, I'm pretty sure, named to you know the the Senior Bowl watch list. Um, but over the course of training camp and, and, and this offseason, he's really emerged as a leader and kind of as that number one guy um, in the cornerback room. So he's definitely named to watch, expect for him to have a have a big role in a big year, um, especially filling the shoes of some of those those other guys that you know aren't on the team anymore. So w- watch out for Hollis Jr. too. All right. So we got some players to look out for for Northwestern. Now it's our favorite part, the game predictions. We'll see what everyone thinks. So uh, do you guys want to go first on what you think is going to happen? Dylan, I think you should go first. I think you've got a I think you've got a wild take. Oh boy. So I mean, typically my takes are a little outlandish when it comes to predictions. Um, I saw one model, I don't know which model it was. It predicted Rutgers win 21-17. Um, which I agree it's probably gonna be a low scoring game. I don't really see a ton of points being put up. Um I'm gonna probably have to be a homer here. I'm going to say that Northwestern wins this one. I'm going to go 24 to 10. However, 14 of Northwestern's points will be defensive touchdowns. Interesting. Yeah, that that's all. I, I don't trust our offense really, but I also don't trust Rutgers offense. I, I just think it's going to be a bad game. I think it like someone told me it's going to be one of the worst power five football games of the year. And honestly, I could see that being the case. Uh, yeah. But, Sicko's committee. I don't know if you follow Sicko's committee. I think oh, it's yeah. going for that. That's that's yeah. where I'm looking in t- in terms of that. Especially if it rains. Oh boy. Oh yeah. So I also think it's going to be a low scoring game. Um, I don't really have faith in either of these offenses either. And I think defensively, both of these teams are a lot stronger in that camp rather than in the offensive camp. So I went fourteen thirteen with Northwestern winning because I. I feel like I can't not have Northwestern win in this one. I think winning our first game would be huge for us, morale-wise, but also um, season-wise, although it is a little bit scary considering we won our first game last year and that didn't go over so well for the rest of the season. But at least this win would be in America. 
Um, so I'm thinking low scoring game. I'm thinking it'll be close because I think these teams are pretty evenly matched, but I think Northwestern comes out on top. I'm curious, is the 13 points from like a missed extra point or like is Rutgers going for two in like in the last second and missing it? What's happening? No, there? I was I was thinking uh touchdown to field goals. I'm thinking they aren't I thinking our defense is gonna be I have faith in our defense to not let them get too far down the field. Um, but I'm thinking touchdown opening drive and then a couple of dances into Northwestern territory later on, but not far enough for an end zone touchdown. It's always it's always a game of sevens and threes. Um, and it's it's just which which you know, which variety. Um, I think there's something to be said to all three Northwestern people saying Northwestern is going to win. So I'm not going to say Northwestern's going to win. I actually have Rutgers taking this one. I, I just, I don't know. I've got, I've got a feeling or something. Um, but Adam I'm going to have Rutgers seven... train. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm going to have Rutgers at 17, 13. Um, I think it's going to be like everyone said, close game throughout. Um, it's going to come down to defense. I think it's going to come down to some, you know, some weird weird touchdowns that happen in weird times and weird places. But I, I think Rutgers squeaks by, you know, maybe Northwestern's up 13 to 10 in the late in the third quarter. And somehow they, they, they lose it with four minutes left in the fourth, something like that. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I have someone on my side here. Uh, I mean, I, I got to go with Rutgers winning. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be a very low scoring game, defense heavy. I'm going to go with a couple points off Adam's prediction. I'm going to go with something weird, like 16 to 12 or something wild like that. Um, yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to be one of those sickos games. Uh, and if you're a Northwestern fan, I would suggest maybe not listening to the TV broadcast because, uh, the C- CBS announced their, uh, broadcaster, uh, rotation. And for this game, it's Tom McCarthy, who did Rutgers games on the radio back in the early two thousands and Jason McCourty, who played for Rutgers for four years. So maybe listen to a radio broadcast if you're a Northwestern fan for this one, but yeah, I'm going to say Rutgers pulls out a really, really close game. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with all the points that you guys were saying before, except maybe flip the result. I think both teams are really strong defensively. It's going to be definitely a struggle, uh, but I think Rutgers comes out in the end. Uh, Greg Schiano has always been really, really good at season openers and bowl games. So it, it's like one of those things where it's like, if you need to prepare for one game and nothing else, I think I would want Greg Schiano on my side. So that's what I think is going to happen. It's definitely going to be a close game, closer than a lot of people think, but I think Rutgers takes it. Well, it'll be the battle of the two teams that won their season op- openers last year, uh, and then after the first couple of weeks fell off, fell off a map. Um, so we'll see what happens in this this season. But it's been great talking to you, uh, getting to know kind of that Rutgers that Rutgers vibe. What's going on with the team over there in Piscataway? Um, and yeah, right, yeah. Same with you guys for Northwestern. It's definitely been very interesting to see, especially after the off season that they've had. So. Uh, again, where uh, where can we find the Wild Chat podcast? Oh yeah, Ashley, go for it. No, I want to hear Dylan's version. What is my <laughs> version? Okay, um, sure. Right now, uh, we posted our first episode. It's just our own season preview. Uh, that is currently up on our YouTube channel, the Wild Chat podcast. You can also follow us on our Twitter feed, which Ashley knows the at too, because I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, so Ashley, you want to let us know what our Twitter at the wild chat, short and sweet. There we go. So go follow us there. We'll be posting where the rest of our episodes are. Um, hoping to make a Spotify and Apple podcast account as well. Got to get that set up soon. 
But yeah, relatively new podcast, but we're coming out with content. So just be sure to follow us on Twitter and our YouTube and you'll see where the rest of our stuff is coming out. And again, this is Alec Crathamel with the What's Choppin' Podcast. Again, you can find us on all podcasting platforms if you just search up the What's Choppin' Podcast and on Twitter and on Instagram at What's Choppin' Pod. So for Ashley, Adam, and Dylan, this is Alec Crathamel signing off for the joint episode of the Wild Chat and the What's Choppin' Podcast. See you guys next time.